presented by Pharma. Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghu Munavalan. It's Thursday. OPEC Plus announces a 2 million barrel cut in oil production. We'll tell you how that's playing in D.C. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. For months, aides to President Joe Biden have been back-channeling to keep OPEC from cutting oil exports, and in turn, raising oil and gas prices around the world. So much for all that. On Wednesday, OPEC Plus announced that it'll cut oil production by 2 million barrels per day starting next month, a move that David Singer and Ben Hubbard from The New York Times write sharply undercuts President Biden's effort to avoid an increase in gas prices ahead of the midterm elections, while setting back his push to constrain the oil revenue Russia is using to pay for its war in Ukraine. They added, it also exposes the failure of his fist bump diplomacy over the summer with Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. The news was met with outrage in Washington as a growing chorus of Democratic lawmakers on both sides of the Capitol seethed about the seemingly one-way U.S. relationship with Saudi Arabia. Representative Tom Malinowski told Playbook on Wednesday night, the Saudis will do what we let them get away with doing. We have to stop acting like the suckers in this relationship and reestablish that the services we provide to these countries require them to take our legitimate interests and concerns into account. And if they're not willing to do that, then they should find another friend. Toward that end, Malinowski says he'll introduce a bill to mandate the removal of U.S. troops and missile defense systems from Saudi Arabia and the UAE. Interestingly enough, the legislation is essentially copied and pasted from a 2020 proposal that congressional Republicans introduced, an effort to make it uncomfortable for GOP lawmakers to vote no. Senator Richard Blumenthal, meanwhile, wants the U.S. to seriously consider cuts in military assistance to the kingdom, or at least use the threat in a carrot-and-stick approach to convince the Saudis to change course. Blumenthal told Playbook on Wednesday, There still is, in my view, an opportunity to persuade the Saudis that you're making a gigantic mistake here, and I hope the administration will be aggressive about it. We have an opportunity and an obligation to use the leverage available. We have agency here, and we should use it. Nothing is off the table per an administration official, though they cautioned that while the White House is willing to be aggressive, it'll look to Congress to take the lead. An official said, We will assess what other measures make sense on the breadth of our relationship with Saudi Arabia. We want to see what Congress can pass, and we'll go from there. More importantly, there's an election four weeks away. And Politico's Josh Siegel writes, New developments threaten to disrupt what had been Democrats' growing optimism about how voters are perceiving gas prices, especially among independents who are key in swaying the outcome of tight races. While gas prices have gone down for months, they've begun to tick up, largely on the West Coast, where Josh writes, six oil refineries in California and Washington reduced output because of maintenance. Worth noting on Wednesday, the average price of gas in Los Angeles County hit a record high, about $6.50 a gallon per the LA Times. Everyone we spoke to agreed that the trend is politically advantageous for Republicans, but Malinowski, who's already begun outreach to GOP lawmakers, sees a chance to turn the tables morphing a geopolitical loss into a messaging victory. Malinowski said, I hope that Republicans will join me in supporting that kind of response rather than wishing high gas prices on the American people so they can win an election. Two days after setting the political world aflame with its report that in 2009, Herschel Walker, who was running for U.S. Senate in Georgia while touting his opposition to abortion rights, paid for his then-girlfriend to obtain an abortion, Roger Sollenberger from The Daily Beast lit more kindling on Wednesday night with this headline, She had an abortion with Herschel Walker. She also had a child with him. Ever since the Beast's initial report, which Politico has not independently verified, Walker has denied the underlying claim. 
When asked if he knew the identity of the anonymous woman, Walker said, not at all. It's sort of like everyone is anonymous or everyone is leaking and they want you to confess to something you have no clue about. Then came Sullenberger's Wednesday Night Report, where he writes, there's a good reason the woman finds that defense highly doubtful. She's the mother of one of his children. An eye-popping quote from the story, Sure, I was stunned, but I guess it also doesn't shock me that maybe there are just so many of us that he truly doesn't remember. But then again, if you really forgot about it, that says something too. Earlier Wednesday, the Walker campaign released a new direct-to-camera ad in which the candidate tells viewers he's a changed man saved by grace from mental illness. The spot was filled as a rejoinder to Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock, whose campaign has run ads highlighting Walker's history of violent behavior, including repeatedly threatening to kill an ex-wife, choking her, and holding a razor to her throat. But the specter of the abortion story hangs over the ad, especially given Walker's invocation of Christianity in telling his redemption story. And yet, an observation from Politico's Natalie Allison. The latest Herschel Walker abortion scandal is on CNN, and yes, all the DC folks are aware. But 11 Alive in Atlanta led with crime, followed with more crime, so until Democrats take out ads about it, don't assume voters in Georgia are aware or actively thinking about this. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 10 a.m. Eastern. President Joe Biden will depart the White House to head to Poughkeepsie, New York, where he's scheduled to arrive at 11.40 a.m. There, he'll tour IBM, where he'll deliver remarks on jobs at 2 p.m. At 3.05, Biden will head to Red Bank, New Jersey, where he'll arrive at 3.55 p.m. At 5, Biden will participate in a DNC reception and head to New York City. At 8 p.m., Biden will participate in a DSCC reception. And at 9.10, Biden will depart New York City to return to the White House, where he'll arrive at 10.50. And if you happen to see House Minority Whip Steve Scalise, Representatives Lloyd Doggett, Brian Higgins, or Victoria Sparts around today, you might want to wish them a happy birthday. All are in what seem to be fairly safe midterm races, but it's still, after all, campaign season. And it's Libra season. And it's Libra season. All right. Politico's FDA reporter and astrology czar, Catherine Foley, is here to explain. Catherine, hello. How are you? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so I would just like to reiterate on behalf of both of us, we're both strong believers in and advocates of science. Oh, so yeah. Please no hate mail. Oh, yeah. And pro, astrology, very pro. you know, it's like a like a mirror. You, you take what bounces back, you leave the rest. Well said. Well said. All right. So October 6th, uh, what do you know about people born on this date? Fantastic question. So October 6th is like right in the middle of Libra season. It's what we call the second decan or the Aquarius decan. So we would expect Libras in born on this day to have a little bit of a more like revolutionary streak, a little bit more. Uh, we would expect them to be a little bit more inventive um, than traditional Libras were born at the beginning of the month. So, you know, Libras are very even keeled people. Um, they're very communicative um, they're very, very charming. Um, but these these folks are probably going to have a little more little more fire to them, shall, shall we say, a little more zest um, and may have some really cool, bright ideas that they want to try to get across. Yeah, I was going to ask um, what um, outside of the people's personalities themselves, uh, what might the day itself entail for people um, today? Uh, well, we can all be really excited that we're finally out of Mercury in retrograde, which ended earlier uh, at the beginning of this week. Um, for, for the record, Mercury in retrograde just means that it looks like Mercury is going in the opposite direction um, than it normally does because of the orbit of the planet. Um, I feel like we we throw that term around a lot and nobody actually knows what it means. But basically, communications are really bad. You're going to have some flubs between people. So uh, if you felt like in the past month, things just weren't coming out properly, 
um, now they probably will. Now's a great time to like have those conversations with others, uh, especially because Mercury is in Virgo season. Mercury is the planet of communication and Virgo's earth signs are incredibly astute communicators. They're caring, um, they are concise and they get stuff done. So good time to be uh, talking about the things you want to get done. It's probably going to work out well for you. Yeah, we're only, what, five-ish weeks uh, away from Election Day. So I feel like if you're, get, you're trying to get something done in Congress, now's a good time. Yeah, people. yeah, now's a great time. Your, your ideas are going to come across really well. Um, I did notice uh, it's kind of unusual that there are this many elected representatives in one day. Usually you get like one or two, but we're up to like four or five. So Yeah, I don't know. Maybe... Uh, Maybe we need the rest of their star charts to figure out what's going on there. Politico star charts are always welcome, by the way. All right. Thanks for joining me, Catherine. Thank you. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghun Munavalan. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Did you know the 340B program may be driving up costs for some patients? A new analysis finds average costs per prescription for a patient is more than 150% greater at 340B hospitals than at non-340B hospitals. That's a problem. It's time to fix the 340B program. Learn more at pharma.org slash 340B.